Thank you for joining us on Love That Voiceover, where we explore the people and projects behind the microphone in depth. I am your chic geek unique host, Love That Rebecca. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Grau. Keep listening to Love That Voiceover. Oh, yeah, baby. Mm, I've been loving it. Hello, all you beautiful, fabulous, fantastic, gorgeous, sexy, cool listeners of Love That VoiceOver. I'm thrilled and honored to have the extraordinarily talented and successful voiceover actress, Tasia Valenza. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight, especially knowing that we are uh, crossing over continents. And <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, Tasia, some people may not know as much about you as I do. So would you like to tell us about yourself or would you like me to read your bio? Oh, you know, I'm happy to, to, to share. I, I, yeah. I, I call myself a recovering actress. And a fully functioning voiceover artist. That's my favorite line because I <laughs> I started out acting from the time I was professionally about 15. Wow. And um, I did a lot of on camera. And then over the course of 15 years, I started segueing into voiceovers. Um, little by little, it was one of those things where m- my wonderful mother kept telling me I should do voiceovers. And I thought it was too competitive and too hard and I was doing the on camera and you know good old mom she never <laughs> stopped watching. and I started doing voiceovers um in the 90s I'd say I started acting I think um in 83 or wow. 80 yeah I mean that, that's that's setting up my age but no I guess- no it was more like you got started early because you were a teenage actress I was a teenager I was I was I was actually again discovered by my mother my mother helped me get discovered by the, uh, the great Louis Maul Oh wow! Uh, um, it was one of those those open call situations for a movie called Crackers, which I just saw is now available on Netflix, which scares me. But it was <laughs> it was, uh, it was my entree into the on camera world, and then I was most known for um, being on All My Children for three years, which was a very popular time to be on the show. Right, and the, the Emmy nominated role of Dottie oh, Thornton. Dottie. Yes, or or as many people might know, if not know my character, it was Tad Martin's first wife, who is, who is, who is he's, he's more popular than I, I was and, and was on there straight to the end. So everyone, if you don't know Dottie, then you might have like, oh, Tad. Yes, Tad. <laughs> so I did that. And then I came out here to Los Angeles because that was in New York where I was born and raised. And uh and I, as I said, I was doing I was doing TV movies and and uh, pilots and series, and then another one that was well known was The Heights, uh, which had that was a Aaron Spelling's drama. Yes, and it was about this band, and we had the song "How Do You Talk to an Angel," which was a very popular song. And then I was starting to do more voiceovers, and realized as I was doing them that I loved doing them, and. Uh, and I, I always joke that my my therapist said that my mental health was going up in proportion to the amount of voiceovers I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for that. There maybe. is. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I little by little segued uh, out of the on-camera world into the voiceover year, world over a period of six years and bookended my on-camera career with a 12-week stint on The Bold and the Beautiful, which I thought was just apropos. I did 12 weeks on the soap and thought, oh, maybe I'll go back to a soap and realized I was indeed not only done 
with soaps, but the whole business and called up my agent and said, I'm, I am now going to just be exclusively working on voiceovers and I've never looked back and I've been the happiest voiceover artist. <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit of my story. And I've been doing it almost, I guess, 20 years now. Yeah, um, that's amazing. You started really young. You have a motto. Do you want to share that with everyone? I love what I do and I do what I love. I feel grateful to, to love this business, love my craft and be paid for it. And I feel like, you know, if everyone can, as I say, follow their bliss and actually make money doing it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, 20 years later, I never take it for granted. And every yeah is a great opportunity. So I feel very lucky. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to mention that Tasia has uh, over 78 professional projects listed in the IMDb, which is the Internet Movie Database. Aside from her daytime Emmy nomination for All My Children, she has played in, in the Batman Arkham Asylum video games, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic video game. Um, I don't know. How do you say this? Decidia 012 or Dodecimo? I don't know. Decidia. Decidia, Final Fantasy. Um, she has a lot of characters that are well-known, and she's been to Comic-Con. Um, she also has done TV cartoon series, and so those are voices for television cartoon shows. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 one of the things I love about voiceovers is that I still get to act. I just don't, you know, have to put on hair and makeup and spend 12 hours and I, I do have great love for the animation world because it still connects me, you know, to that part of it. Whereas commercials, it's it's a different, um, you know, part of my wheelhouse. It's it's um, not quite as acty as as actually doing a role. So I do have a great um, love for that part of my business, and it it allows me to feel like I'm still an actress. It just um, I'm just more free to be you know, a chicken as opposed to <laughs> you know, uh, the leading lady category, which I used to be considered, you know, yeah. on so it's, it's wonderful to, to be able to do that. And it's interesting because I have uh, people that I'm known for in my age range of the forties and the thirties know me from the soaps and the on-camera world. And then I have a whole group of younger people, actually, you know, video gamers are now in their thirties too, but, yeah. um, and they know me for that. So I'm kind of known on the, on the, in the spectrum of some on camera and some. Yeah. Right. You have two unique fan bases. Something for everyone. All, all reasons to love Tasia. You know, you really made a six year transition, you said, from the on screen to just really focusing on voiceover. Was there a moment? in the midst of that before when you before you made that transition was that a conscious transition or was there a moment you realized vo is my calling and that is what i want to do only there was a bunch of things um of course you know nothing is by accident i noticed that i really enjoyed the the freedom that it allowed me to have as opposed to you know to be to be truly um regarded for my talent Whereas I always felt the on-camera had so many variables besides my talent. You know, I would, mm -hmm. I would feel like I was certainly giving an amazing audition. I would hear that I was considered the best actress, but I still didn't get the role. I remember once, you know, I was going up for a lawyer and they said, you weren't sexy enough. And I was like, I, had I known I should have worn a bikini to play a lawyer, <laughs> I would have put on my cheerleading outfit. I thought it was a lawyer, so I wore a suit. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like that. And then, you know, being in the voiceover world, it's so, I call it the kinder, gentler part of the business because 
you know, the women like each other because we're not, again, based on our looks. Right. I also, you know, being an Aries, I, I love intense short periods of time to work. Um, I'm not really good, you know, strung out over long periods of time. And the on-camera world is so much about holding energy uh, for the time over the 12-hour day where you're on, which is like 45-minute increments. And then you're, you're back to your trailer and waiting for the lighting and changing. And, and it's very hard to maintain the character that. or the focus. And the focus, the energy. Without the energy, yeah. Out, you know, massive quantities of sugar and caffeine and, you know, whatever else, you know, actors end up ingesting. And I, I really found myself enjoying these short, intense spurts. Right. And also I was um, engaged and I realized that my husband, who was not in the business, would much prefer me not to, to traipse off for two weeks on an island, you know, to be... <laughs> in love with someone else which happens <laughs> i sense that that would not be good for my relationship and <laughs> that's great there so many variables that uh, uh just kept pushing me in the direction and i was booking a lot and i thought you know you go with the flow i was booking a lot of much more vo than i was on camera and i just thought wow you know the universe is telling me something right, and right. i should stop it and then like i said i i i thought oh well I got this um, 12 week week job for a recurring character on The Bold and the Beautiful. I thought, oh, well, maybe I could do soap opera, uh, another soap opera since I started on soap and still do my voiceover. And I found over that 12 week period that I was not able to get to certain auditions and I felt trapped again on a set. Interesting. I was dying, you know, I was trying to get over to NBC for a promo and it was very, very challenging. And then, of course, I was also remembering that I said the same line every day with a new word added. And I was, <laughs> you have to get your baby today. And I realized, wow, I don't really enjoy doing this anymore. How fascinating. <laughs> yeah. You kind of grew out of it in a way. It's a wonderful, gentle transition. And then I, I just felt it was a lovely opportunity at the end of that um, to, to say, you know, I have, I've, I've, I've had a 12 or 13 or 14 year career on camera and I'm going to explore this. And there, another motto is mine is like, do one thing great. Yeah. Do what I, I just wanted to focus all my attention on it as opposed to doing, you know, the on camera and, and the voiceover where I felt like I was, I was torn in two directions and I wanted to be the best voiceover artist that I could be. And so I devoted myself to it. And, and I did, uh, you know, find that I, I, my career took off even more after devoting myself exclusively to it. Well, your career is definitely something to, uh, something to, to recognize and honor. And I'm really, I mean, if you're not already, you're a mentor for other women that are going to follow in your footsteps, as, as good actors always have following them. We're going to take a quick break. And be right back, everybody. Hang on. We'll be right back with Tasia. Hey, all you sexy, fabulous, wonderful, joyous, prosperous, wealthy, beautiful people. This is Rebecca Michaels-Haw, also known as Love That Rebecca of Love That VoiceOver. I am dedicated to bringing you a really exciting 2013 with fun people, interesting backgrounds, Fantastic Secrets Revealed. My focus are voiceover talent, casting directors, and other creatives that work behind the mic. 
tune in anytime since archives are online at Blog Talk Radio right now. So tell your friends, tell your other friends, tell your producers, <laughs> tell everyone to tune in to Love That Voiceover with Love That Rebecca, Rebecca Michael Saw. Welcome back, everybody, you fabulous, beautiful, excellent, gorgeous, stupendous listeners of Love That Voiceover. I am here with Tasia Valenza. Hi! <laughs> now, we're jumping into your experience with acting training. How, did, how important was that? How has it helped you? How much do you continue? Can you, can you speak a couple of minutes about that? Sure. Well, I actually, interestingly enough, started so young and ironically my parents both went in New York City to music and art oh. school of music and my father went to the performing arts and I ended up going to neither. I went to a basically a jock high school called <laughs> and how that happened again, you know, was a lack of discipline on my part. I don't think I got myself together with my auditions and I I, I was afraid to go to music and art because it was up in the Bronx. I was, it was, it was kind of a, I was a Michigas. I was full of Michigas. So I had natural <laughs> talent and my father was teaching me. And so when I started, I, I did actually my first student film when I was 13, which um, hopefully is buried somewhere because it was really <laughs> <laughs> an awful one. And I, I would hate for it to come out of the archives. Oh, that's I, funny. Yeah, camp, camp plays. I was always the lead. So, you know, it was in my blood for sure. Right. Um, but I didn't get formal training and I, I really would have wished I'd had that. However, when I came out to Los Angeles after doing uh, all my children, I did go to acting classes and I had some great classes with a wonderful teacher named Roy London who passed uh, away, who was a phenomenal teacher. Mm. And his... Um, his um, protege, Cameron Thor. So I had some wonderful formal training and I did go from classes. And then I did formally train quite a lot in voiceovers um, with different teachers. In LA, in Los Angeles. Wonderful. Yeah, I could shout out to the Kalmanson Technique and they, mm -hmm. they, they work with a lot of actors and they do use the acting technique to back up, uh, you know, to be the basis of the voiceover world, which I think is, it is truly. Uh, the non-announce re-announce. I mean, ever even more so now. The, to have acting background definitely informs uh, having a great voiceover career. So I would strongly encourage it. And I have since uh, started restudying in the last couple of years um, because I've been doing it for so long. I found that I was getting a little bit too much some, on auto autopilot sometimes, uh -huh. and I have. I have actually rejuvenated a certain amount of my technique recently by just going back in and studying privately in animation and in um, commercial and promo just to keep myself current because voiceover does change and evolve. Right. And I think sometimes, you know, longtime voiceover artists can fall into the same traps as anybody does who, who doesn't stay current with their craft is that, you know, you just fall into uh, the automatic pilot and sometimes you, you're not giving the conscious current read. And so I was finding that, you know, some of my reads were a little too slick and I had to, to reevaluate it and kind of just go back and just, you know, work on them. And I've really seen that it has paid off and, you know, I've been booking more uh, of the things that I want to be booking because I've been, you know, continuing to work on my craft. So I would, I would definitely, you know, 20 years later, I enjoy, and I'm enjoying it because again, anything involving 
uh, the the art of it and becoming better, I I I enjoy and I take such value out of it. And I right, I wish I'd doing it the whole time, but I was so busy working that I didn't um, just really have enjoyed going back and studying with some wonderful teachers. I read on according to an online blog um, about the video game. Um, Star Wars The Old Republic, that your character, Kaleo, was based on Linda Fiorentina's role in the film The Last Seduction. Is, is that something that you like to do in terms of bringing your acting training to the voiceover in video games and using that acting? You know, sometimes when a, a character is so, uh, to me, jumps off the page like that, it, it helps me to kind of get um, a mentor, uh, you know, if you will, somebody that I can glean on that I appreciated it and, um, or that particular character was so iconic. And when I was reading, um, about Kaleo's lines, I was like, wow, this is so, so her that, you know, not like I actually was trying to imitate her, but, but I, but I certainly, her style her thoughts in terms of her, you know, her absolute, uh, you know, man in a woman's body. Right. Her ruthlessness was, I think, very much a part of it. So, you know, I, I do like to have specificity if I can. It's an informational process. Yeah, it's again, it's part of the, you know, how to be specific and not just be general with each character. And sometimes, again, that particular role, that was one of my favorite roles. And I was delighted to be able to play a character who I could jump into that kind of role and, 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 and have that kind of snarky, you know, sexy, strong character who really, really doesn't, you know, is, is very narcissistic. And, and, you know, those are the fun roles where you can just have a good time because you're, you're, you're getting to play a little bit of the dark side. Right, um, right. The powerful side. That's usually not the woman's role. Or the feminine role, the you know the feminine energy role. It was definitely a more of a masculine energy role, and it was just a fun, a fun character. To that play. sounds great. That sounds great. And um, we're getting a little taste of your your acting and how it how it, it lends itself. Your experience with the strong acting career that you've had into the video games. You know, a lot of people have acting experience, and we've talked a lot about the fact that voiceover is acting, even when you're doing announcing to a degree, because you're performing to try to achieve a certain goal, and it can vary. But do you want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. I really feel strongly that the more you can you can get your skills as an actor, it will definitely help in the voiceover world, because more than ever, you know, the style is such that it's conversational, it's conversational, you're talking to a friend, you know, the, the days of the announcer is only a parody now. That's only, a, you know, it really only... is. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, even just the moment before I'll find sometimes when I, when I read a line of the intro that it really helps me to say, you know, Jane, and then go into my line, or I was thinking the other day and then go into it because it's, it's so hard. Sometimes it sounds so stilted to come right into a line, you know, introducing. Right, right. It just softens it and it gives me, uh, oh, who am I talking to? I mean, that's one of the most important questions to ask is who am I speaking to? And, and what am I trying to convey? What is, the, what is the arc of it? You know, what is the, 
what is the information that I want to share? And that those questions are so important. And I, I feel like the moment before, which is a very big acting choice, you know, the moment before a scene opens, where are you, you know, right. talking to what are the circumstances, you can put that into a voiceover and it, and it really um, informs it and makes it much more real as opposed to, you know, just reading lines to uh, the general group. You know, yeah. it, it, as they say, it brings a sense of perspective, a point of view that you can't get when you're generalizing. Exactly. It doesn't come across. Yeah. We will be back next week with the rest of the gold with Tasia. Thanks for joining us. 